Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What's up? What is up? I'm your host, Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. Joining me here in studio in Brooklyn, New York. Nick Dawson, Editor-in-Chief of Talk House. It's good to be back. The timing is right. The timing is right. Now, Nick, I'm tired. I'm tired of you. I'm tired as well. (laughs) I'm tired. I'm still recovering from the fantastic Life is Beautiful Festival out in Las Vegas. Our producer, Mark Yoshizumi, and I flew out. We put on three live talks out there. Legendary talks. Soon to be legendary, already legendary. It's hard to tell. (laughs) Well, I I hope you're right, good sir. On the Friday, we hosted Fred Armisen with SNL's Chris Redd and Portugal the Man. Awesome. On Saturday, Joseph Gordon-Levitt with Tony Shea, CEO of Zappos. Excellent. In a talk house by Life is Beautiful Ideas panel. And if you don't like that talk, just... Put it back in the box and send it back. (laughs) And on the Sunday, we hosted Bachelor and Bachelorette star Caitlin Bristow with the amazing Nikki Glaser. Your new BFF. My new BFF. I cannot wait for her upcoming special drops October 1st. Bangin'. Love me some Nikki Glaser. But Nick, let's talk about today's show because this is a very interesting pairing. Legendary garage rocker and DJ Palmyra Del Ran with legendary comedian and game show host and DJ Drew Carey. Yeah, they are fellow DJs on Sirius XM, uh, Stephen Van Zandt's Underground Garage. Uh, little, little Stevie. Conglomerate. We get to hear on, on this podcast a little bit about Drew Carey's musical background. Yeah, Nick, I had no idea how deep his musical roots really ran. He and I have something in common. When I was a kid, the instrument that I desperately wanted to play was the trumpet. Ah. But I ended up playing the accordion. And Drew Carey started playing the accordion and ended up uh, playing the trumpet. <laughs> so we're, Switcheroo. we're basically twins. Except the, the reason that I couldn't play the trumpet was I could literally not get a sound out of that fucking thing. <laughs> Speaking of not being able to get a sound, <laughs> I do want to mention, <laughs> listeners, that there was some trouble with the uh, studio side on Palmyra's side. So you're going to hear studio quality, Drew Carey. Palmyra was a great sport and called in. Now, if you guys aren't familiar, Palmyra Del Ren came up in the Philly scene. She played in seminal 90s bands, The Frigs and Pink Slip Daddy. Gotta love that, named after a Beach Boys lyric. And uh, of course, has released several of her own solo records. Her newest release is Uh Uh-Oh, It's the Coolies. That's by a band called The Coolies that features Palmyra alongside members of The Muffs and The Pandoras. It's fantastic garage rock and a charity release. Yeah, 100% of profits will go to the ALS Association Golden West chapter. Really great stuff there. And uh, Nick, I wanted to play a track that includes a very cool collaboration. This is a song called Happy Birthday Middle Child by Palmyra Del Ren and the Doppelgang and features the one and only Blondie's Debbie Harry. Awesome, let's listen.
classic. I'm so here for it. And talking of classic, I think both Drew and Palmyra have this kind of classic retro vibe to them. You know, Drew is sort of in the mold of like the old style nightclub comedians of the 50s, 60s, 70s. And Palmyra is absolutely in the style of that OG garage rocker. Yeah, man. She belongs on the Nuggets box set. Now, Nick, you gave me a nugget of information that I was completely unaware of about Drew Carey. I didn't realize that he'd come up through the military. Yeah, he used to be a Marine. And, you know, if you go Google Drew Carey Marines, there's a a very striking picture of him with his military haircut. He looks tough. In his fatigues. Yeah. And he's a guy who's done it all, really. He, you know, had the Drew Carey show, whose line is it anyway? And he's been doing The prices Right for 12 years and counting now as one of the kind of bastions of daytime TV. He's also released an autobiography that's Dirty Jokes and Beer, Stories of the Unrefined. That gets into his earlier life and television career. Yeah, and there's some surprising stuff in his past. You know, they, they talk about a lot of stuff on this episode, but they start off with Drew's history playing trumpet in a polka band. Admittedly, somewhat short-lived, but <laughs> who would have thought? Drew Carey in a polka band. I was not expecting that one. We also get to hear about the interesting way Paul Myra learned how to play guitar. Definitely different from a lot of people, I think. Yeah. And of course, these two deal with some fantastic celebrities, Nick. So we hear stories about meeting Dick Clark, Brian Wilson, Paul McCartney. And don't forget Ringo. Ringo. Drew also tells a few accordion player jokes. Talks about the obscure cuts that he plays on his radio show. And we get to hear about the culture clash that occurred when Paul Myra hired a classical cellist to play on her record. Should we run the tape? Let's run that tape. Hey, man, what's going on? Nothing, you know. <laughs> another day in L.A. This, that, the other. Yeah, yep. no, long time, no yak. I know. Do I sound clear? Yeah, loud and clear. Lima Charlie. Cool. <laughs> what's going on, man? Nothing, just working a lot. I'm back to work, and uh, I'm just not, I had such a long summer off, I'm not used to having a work schedule, so I'm like tired every day when I come home. <laughs> It's like, what's this work stuff I have to do for money? Are you kidding me? I can't just get money and stay home? I know. It's it's crazy. Wouldn't you rather just go spin records all day? Yeah, I would. Yeah. (laughs) And even that's like, ugh, I got to get my radio show together, you know? Like I spent Sunday night, like three hours putting it together, and then I went over a little bit on Monday just to polish it up. And I always listen to it like a couple times while I'm in the car and stuff it's to make so sure good, it flows. Man. Oh, it's so good, man. Oh, thank definitely, you. Yeah, it's really good. Me and um, Dennis were having a little Drew fest, <laughs> Drew love fest the other day. <laughs> yeah, we went over to um, uh, Jesse Mallon had the little listening party. Oh, wow. I was hanging out with Dennis, and we were like, we love Drew so much, you know? Oh, uh, thanks, man. It's pretty fun. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's such a great show. Thanks. I get such a kick out of it. You know, you really pull them out, man. I do find some weird ones, don't I? You do, and I love it. And you, most of them I have. I find, like, oh, oh, I God, have one. I have, that thing. I have one this week by a group called the Wig Poppers. Oh, I don't know that. And it's called uh, Yo-Yo by the Wig Poppers. And uh, good luck getting a copy. Okay. I had to rip a copy off of YouTube. Okay. I ripped a copy off of YouTube and I asked Olivia, I said, can you get me a clean MP3? And the only thing she could get me was, it sounded like the same thing I ripped off of YouTube. It was just like the, some scratchy 45, you know. That's you know what, Joe? Dust all I kind of like that. Yeah, it's not bad. And, kinda, and, it's a, and it's a really I cool, like really good, like, dirty R&B song, you know, where it's like everything's, everything's a, a yo-yo is a euphemism, you know, so everything is like barely disguised filth. 
Yeah. <laughs> just like we like it, you yeah, know? Yeah, just like I like it. My ding-a-ling. It's like that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Very cool. Very cool. For you a musician, too? No. I played... Uh, I was in band in high school and college. <laughs> That's so can, cool. What did you play? So I can read notes. I play. Uh, I played trumpet. And uh, oh, nice! I wasn't good enough to major in it in college. Well, I could have. I take that back. I bet if I would have, you know what? When I was in high school, when I graduated a year early, when I was seventeen, so uh, when I, I should have been a senior when I went to college, like the year before that, I was a pretty good trumpet player when I was in high school. And I bet if I would have stuck with it, I could have majored in it. And I was thinking about going that route. And like me and the other guy, we both played first chair. He was first trumpet, first chair. And I was first trumpet, second chair, or third chair usually. Depends on me and this other guy, when what year it was and how the band director was feeling. Um, so we were both pretty good. And uh, he, I remember I got a job in a polka band. Like my friend who was already second and third with me, he would, he played, in, he had a job in a polka band, which is like, they're all over Cleveland and Chicago and Eastern Pennsylvania or Western Pennsylvania rather. And um, that's like a hotbed of polka music. And at the time, it was so long ago, the minimum wage was like $1.20 an hour or something like that at McDonald's. Man. And he was making $30 a night, gigging on the weekend and making 60 bucks. And I was like, man, I have to work all week to make that money. He goes, yeah, it's pretty good. And, you know, there's like chicks, you know, even though it's a poker man, we get, you know, it's fun. I get to That's hang hilarious. out. And I'm, we're only, I only have to work a couple hours and I, you know, and they don't have to memorize any music, like the sheet music, the music is all there because you're playing trumpet in the back. So you're just looking off the music. And, um, I got an audition for a polka band and I had passed the audition and we were already rehearsing. Like we've been rehearsing for a month and my mom got worried because my dad was a big drinker and uh, he died when I was eight. But my mom was like, oh, I don't want my son playing in bars. So she got a family friend to call me up and like convince me not to do it because she said, you know, your mom's really worried about you playing in bars when you're only 16. And I was like, I'm not going to be drinking. Aww. I'm just going to be playing trumpet. And then, so I quit the band and the guy, of course the guys in the band were kind of bummed out because they, you know, starting to line gigs up and they have to audition a new trumpet player. And in a polka band, trumpet's kind of a key. That's like a lead guitar or something like that. It's like losing a, oh, totally. a good yeah, instrument. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally, man. You know, it's all the accordion player and the trumpet player, the two main guy. And there was a sax and a drummer. I think there was four of us. Uh, yeah, it was two trumpets, an accordion, and a sax. And That's a... badass, man. Who knew that? That's amazing. Yeah, so um, I quit. And then I was like, well, why am I taking lessons then and practicing all these hours every week if I'm not going to be making any money at it? So I just stopped. And I just stay, I was just, I was just good enough to be in the band next year. And then when I went to college and then my friend who played first chair all the time, he was always the best of the, of the three of us that were playing first trumpet. He went to college to, and majored in trumpet and dropped out after his first year. And we we're like, oh my God, Ted, his name was Ted. And he goes, oh, you were so good. And he goes, yeah, but everybody in my college played first chair in high school and they were just killing it. Like it was so hard for him to keep up with all these, uh, like every other, he had to cream of the crop in his high school program. Yeah, right, right. And it's like, did you ever see that movie um, Whiplash? No. Oh, man. If you're a musician, you have to see Whiplash. It's oh, I got to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greatest yeah. movie. All right, and, write and down. Watch it someplace where you're going to get really good sound quality because the music is really good in it. And it's about a guy who's going to a, a music conservatory, kind of like, um, you know, uh, like name a really fancy one, but he's he's going to any place of drums, and it's it pretty much the thing the teacher tells him is like who needs you? Like I like if you oh, got if, if Buddy Rich is out there on a CD, and all these other guys like who needs another drummer? 
you know, so you got to be really good yeah, when you're coming yeah. out of these places. Like if you, and I'm with, I'm with them. It was a really good, really good movie about show business and especially, you know, being a professional musician, you know, and uh, all this. Yeah, well, drummers, you man, up. you know, you got to be, you got to be like the best. Like, well, I remember the rock and roll. They had a panning shot across this kid's like rehearsal room that he had in his college. And uh, one of the signs said, uh, if you're not good enough, like he was a jazz drummer, and uh, said, if you're not good enough, you're going to end up playing in a rock and roll band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound so bad to me. Yeah. That's crazy. But it was like, like you know, when you're these like highfalutin jazz dudes, don't, you know. Yeah. So I guess that's Charlie Watts' story. Because he, you know, he's a jazz drummer. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's funny. So you can, well, he didn't do so bad. No, yeah, you can, if you're a jazz drummer, I guess you can play rock and roll in your sleep. But uh, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that's my, that's the, all the band uh, and musical. And then when I was a kid, I played accordion because I didn't know any better. Well, that's cool. Is it? Well, you know, like, <laughs> now, yeah, it is. Total. Are, are you kidding me now? What's I remember the, like when it was like, you know, like when I was a kid, my, uh, I had this uncle from Italy and because I was like the, the black sheep, the music, the only one on both sides of the family that played anything. And so anything that came down the pike was given to me. It was like, here, here's an accordion from Italy, you know, and I couldn't wow, even pick it up. Wow, well, that's good. So, yeah, it was crazy. You know, they just... They take it really seriously in Europe, accordion play, like especially in like uh, Eastern Europe. Totally, yeah. Like those guys yeah. are playing like, a, they're, they're called button box accordions, so they don't have any keys, like kind of like piano keys. Yeah. The, and it's all yeah, like the left side yeah. buttons, but on both sides. And it goes like... Yeah, they got a lot of that in Mexico too, it goes yeah. Up, it, goes up in, it, it goes up in thirds, and then the button right behind the main button is in fifths. So to play like a scale, you're like all over the place. It's crazy. Do you know the difference between a dead accordion player in the middle of the road and a dead snake in the middle of the road? <laughs> no. The snake was on his way to a gig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What's the other one I know? Oh, there's an accordion player and a trombone player, and they have an act together. And they get a call one New Year's Eve, and the, the guy says, hey, my band canceled. Can you guys play? And they said, sure. So they show up. They play the gig. They're a duo, the accordion, <laughs> the, the trombone, the accordion. And uh, when they get done, the club owner goes, hey, you guys are pretty good. Can you play here next year? And they said, yeah, sure. Can we leave our gear? <laughs> oh, my God. A little music joke for you. And then there, there was the other one about, like, um, I can't remember exactly what it was. Maybe you remember this about a What's worse than getting your accordion? No, your banjo. Oh God, I don't. I don't remember. It's something like stolen. Well, banjo players and accordion players. I know. What's worse than get your banjo stolen? What? I don't know. I forget. I forget the punchlines. So I know. How like, do you know there's a bad drummer at your door? How? Because the knock is fast and he doesn't know when to come in. <laughs> oh my God! Oh. Those are all the music. That's jokes hilarious. I, know. I don't know anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I don't know any because. Uh, I, I guess, you know, they all ring so true to me. I, well, you know I want I mean? to see, like, all these weird instruments, like, not weird instruments, but, like, mandolin, accordion, instruments like that. I love them. I went to see a blue, a couple of years ago, there was a, just a couple, like, one of those free park concerts that they have in L.A. in the suburbs, you know, where they have, like, a little amphitheater and you get there early and set up a picnic. And uh, there was a bluegrass band and they did the entire Tommy album. Wow, that sounds cool bluegrass style 
And they were so tight, these guys. And it turns out they were all used to be in rock, they were all rock and roll musicians. They used to be in rock bands and they all could play these other instruments. And they just decided to start a bluegrass band because they could make more money and gig more. And so they did that and they would, they played like bluegrass versions of rock and roll songs. And that's their, that's their that's cool. gig. That's what they do. Oh yeah. Those banjo people, man. You know, those guys Ooh. are amazing, amazing. musicians. Yeah. It's like crazy. I know. I yeah. know. It's really crazy. I, li- I like listening to that stuff because I can't, I don't judge it. You know what I mean? I can't, no. I know I'll never be able to play it. I like all so kinds of music like, as long as they play it well. Yeah. Like, I I, you know, on the internet, there's like two internet polka stations and I still will find a good polka, but if they're not good, I'm like, yeah, that's terrible. Or if I'm listening to like country or whatever and it's not good, I'm like, yeah, but if it's good, it's good. You know what I mean? There's good music totally. and bad music. It doesn't, I, I have, matter, yeah. it doesn't matter what the genre is to me. I'm with you, man. Like I've got no boundaries. What do you listen to on the off hours? Cause you do so much, you play rock and roll and you play rock and roll on the radio and you're surrounded by it. Do you ever try to get away with it and listen to like yeah, anything uh, yeah. but rock and roll on your off time? Yes. I, I'm a big jazz snob, actually. I listen oh. to, like, yeah, like just, but it, I mean, this is how much of a snob I am. It's got to be like 55 to 65. Like that whole, like, you know, Jersey era that they had those cool jazz recording studios in Jersey, North Jersey. Yeah. Do you like a lot of bebop and all that kind of stuff? I like the bebop too, but my favorite is really that 60s that, like, the loungy, uh, the loungy jazz. Yeah. All that stuff. I love that stuff. But like once it gets to like 65 and they sort of start going into the progressive jazz stuff that yeah, kind of yeah. can't really follow it. It's got to have that swing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I hear you. It's got to like be more horizontal than vertical. Gotcha. You know? I totally understand what you're saying. I, when I listen to country music, like I don't want to listen to like new like pop country. I only like the stuff that they play on like outlaw country. Which is another yeah, another little Steven like, station, but I like that stuff. I like I like a twang. I like yeah. a steel guitar. Yeah, me too. I want to hear some words that are going to make me cry because they just like break your heart. And exactly. So true. Exactly. You know, I'm I'm like big into the country until about like seventy five. I have my yeah. little cutoff. This is how much of a snob I am. Well, that's when the pop, like um when the pop country comes out. I'm like I'm not in. I'm, I mean, it, I get it and I appreciate it and I acknowledge that it's good and everything, but I don't gravitate towards it. Yeah, me either. You know, it's kind of like, it sounds like the current country, to me, sounds like heavy metal or something. They have those, like, metal-sounding <laughs> guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, those metal-sounding guitar leads, and it's like, ew, you know? Like, just give me that, like, Porter Wagner or something. Yeah, and every party, you know, every party song sounds exactly the same to me. Every, like, modern country party song sounds exactly the same yeah, to me. Like, yeah, that all came yeah. out of the same factory, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Although my friend Chip Eston is making a big living as a country star. I can't believe it. Who? What's his name? Chip Eston. He was on Whose Line Is It Anyway? And we did improv together a million times. Uh-huh. Been on the road. And uh, he got a job. He's also acts and he got a job and he plays guitar. And uh, before Whose Line and stuff, he played Buddy Holly in the Buddy Holly story for like five years over in England or three years or something like that for a long time. And uh, so he plays oh, cool. guitar well enough to do a show like that. And then... Um, he got on this show called Nashville that was on ABC, and then they went to another network. I forget which one, but um, he had a lead role on that show where he played a singer-songwriter. And um, so he was always like playing guitar on stage in a band, and he had really good music on there. And because he got popular on that show, and now he just does out. And does, I remember and, that show, yeah. yeah he, now he just goes out and does shows on his own because he got popular. Oh, wow. And he's doing like 
country shows, and it blows my mind every time I see like something that he's on tour, and, and I'm like, Chip Peston on tour doing country music. That's weird. But wow, I mean, he's super really talented. Cool. He, t- he took me to, uh, I went to Nashville. Like the whole time we were together, you know, I've been on the Drew Carey show a long time ago and, and I've been famous for a long time. I know. And uh, we would go places and people would come in and get my autograph and ignore everybody. And I, after he was on Nashville, I was doing stand-up in Nashville and we went to Broadway, which is where all the, the that's the street with all the honky-tonks on it. And we were at some little, you know, one of the honky-tonks on Broadway listening to a band playing for tips and they were so good. It was all, you know, session guys that just played and and passed around a tip jar. Uh, tip bucket, and people were coming up to him left and right, asking for an autograph, and totally ignoring me. And at one point, he looked at me and just kind of shrugged his shoulders and smiled and going like, "Hey, man, this is my town now." <laughs> Moved his whole family down there, and there was a guy on stage. Like he talked about good musicians. There was a guy on stage in this Nashville club that it was on a Friday night, and he was strumming the guitar with his elbow just like out of boredom, you know? So instead of, you know, when you play guitar, for people that don't play guitar, like you don't strum all the strings to play chords. Sometimes you'll strum like the last three or the last four or all of them. And, you know, when you're first learning, that's tricky to figure out like where your hand goes for each chord. So you don't want to hit all of them. And this guy just straight out brought his elbow down and he just, I think he did it on the full chords, the open chords. And when he hit the elbow, but he was just like strum, 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 elbow, just to break up the monotony. <laughs> wow, that's re- that's cool, man. That's really and man. Nashville's got the musicians unbelievable. too, man. Well, the next, I had such a good time watching this band. I went back to the same club the next night and uh, with the other comics, and uh, it was the same band, but they'd all switched instruments. Oh my so god! So that like, it was like the drummer was playing guitar and the bass player was playing keys and the guitar player was playing something. I mean, it was crazy. And you would have that, sworn that's insane. insane. And you would have sworn it was all their their first instruments. God, that's insane. Because they, they sounded just as good as the night before, but they were all playing different instruments. And I was like, what in the hell is going on with this town? And then uh that same night, Friday, Chip took me to another bar, and it, there was a band in front that was like the main band, and he took me to the back to see like the back stage band. And they were great. And the riser they were on was only like four feet high or something like that, so people could come up and talk to the band. And there was the lead guitar player was talking to some chick while he was doing a solo. <laughs> he was soloing and like, yeah, I want to pick you up after the show. And I was just That's blown hilarious. away by everybody in that town. It was like crazy good. Yeah, it's insane. I remember Chip looking at me when the guy was playing with his elbow. And he goes, yeah, I used to tell people I played guitar until I moved to Nashville. Yeah. And even though, he was on a, even though he was on a show playing a guitar player and he played on the TV show, like if he met people socially in his circles, he wouldn't even mention that he played guitar. Because as soon as you do in Nashville, people go, oh, really? Let's hear your play. Or I would love yeah, to hear you play. And then, one, yeah. and then you're embarrassed because you can't play as good as they do. <laughs> totally, man. You remember that song, Nashville Cats, by the Love and Spoonful? Yeah. yeah, it's like that. Yeah. Everybody's a good guitar player in Nashville, even back then. Oh, I, it's insane. And they get paid in tips. You know, like yeah, they, they were, making like they were passing around a coffee ton of dough. You know, they were passing around a coffee, it's, it's a crazy. coffee can, and making good dough. I put in a bunch of dough. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, man, I love Nashville though. I go there every now and then. Have you, have you played guitar your whole life, or did you take it up later? Um, I actually started playing drums first. Oh wow! And um, <laughs> kind of got thrown into a band. Like you know, hey, you want to play drums? Okay. And like a month later, we were doing gigs, but not, wow. that doesn't mean I was good. That means it was just a punk rock band, right? You know. So then I and then I started like you know wanting to write songs, and then I just 
sort of picked it up myself. Did you use a, did you use like so, a yeah, got, Chet's guitar course or something like that to learn guitar? How'd you learn it? <laughs> Just listen, really. really. And then I had a, actually had a bluegrass, a friend that was playing bluegrass, show me a couple of chords and I just kind of took it from there. I don't, I don't really like, I, I don't know. I like to call it my own style. But you do, but you, would you go to the record store and like buy, or the music store and buy like sheet music and try to figure it out or just not? No, I don't have that kind of a brain. Huh. <laughs> I would listen to like the Stones records and you know, try to pick it out. And uh, I would read like the Stones liner notes and like, oh, like uh, Chuck Berry wrote that song. So then I would go buy a Chuck Berry record and try to figure out those riffs from listening. Oh, wow. I just, I can't like the visual thing. This doesn't make sense to me. Oh, wow. It's like listening and put, trying to put my fingers where, you know, that's why, you know, like when I watch these Nashville guys, it's like, oh my God, I'm so glad that... Like, it's I'm, like watching magic. It is. It's like, oh my God, it's just insane. And they're so like tasteful too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they're not just riffy. Like like we were just talking about the new countries all like, needly, 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 you know, like needling and, and um, noodling or whatever. But these Nashville guys are just so beautiful and tasteful and... You know, it's really based on something, on like the blues or the old yeah. country stuff, or yeah, it all goes crazy back. scale and stuff. Yeah, yeah. All, they're all cousins. You know, everything's cousins to something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how come I know it's like you know what I know I can't do that shit. I figured you know I just better write some good rock and roll songs. You know, I picked up my accordion. <laughs> I have a, a really nice accordion I got because I played accordion once on the Drew Carey show. So there's this place in Seattle called Potosa Accordions, and they make I'd like arguably some of the best accordions in the world in this little this little spot in Seattle, and uh, so they gave me an accordion to, to use on the show. Wow! Because it said the Potosa right on the side of it, oh, so cool. you know, it was good advertising. I guess I don't know, but they gave me one. And um, every once in a while, I'll get it out and I'll go back to like book one, you know, where they're teaching you what a whole note is. <laughs> so you can you can read music then. Yeah, but then, you know, I'm, I start practicing again and I blow through like the first couple books till I get to the part where I'm like, okay, now I really have to practice. And it's all like kid stuff. And, uh, yeah. you know, they have, okay, now for speed drills. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, oh my God, I can't do this for a half hour or an hour. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I could never. One day I'll have the patience, and I'll 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 get my accordion together, and I'll jump on stage with you one time and play accordion. All right. Oh my God! I can't believe you said that. You give me should, a couple okay. years. Give me a couple years. It's going to take me a while to get my chops back. <laughs> you know, you know what though? Like, actually, if you, if you think about it, like if you like say take a song like '96 Tears, right? Oh yeah. You know, you could probably do shit like that. Like, Believe me, no I hear so many songs where I think like that's going to be in my accordion band because I'll just take the yeah. organ parts because they sell like really fancy like MIDI accordions and you can make them do trumpet sounds or whatever. You know, it's like a MIDI keyboard, but it's an accordion, and uh, all the MIDI stuff is so good now. And I just like, oh, there's a thing I could do. I can make it sound like a Hammond. I can make it sound like yeah. this and that, yeah. and I'll just throw that in there. You know. Oh my God, I just got an idea of what you should do. You should get the accordion on your right hand and then play trumpet with your left hand. Oh my God. Hand. Well, you, you have to play trumpet with your right hand anyway. Yeah, you do all the fingering with your right hand. Oh, oh you do. Okay. Well, if I could play left handed trumpet, <laughs> that would make the news. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be, would be like amazing. The Paul oh my God, players. that would be so great. 
Oh, but then wait a minute. Then you'd have to like pull the accordion, the bellows out. You wouldn't be able to work those. Ah, damn it. That would have been a cool thing. I could play like the, I could play trumpet with my right hand and play the bass part with my left. And then I could put a couple cymbals between my knees. Okay. <laughs> put a hat down. I love for it. Tips. I love I could it. Have I love it. I love on. it. Maybe a monkey. Get a little. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a, a monkey would be perfect. Yeah, to do go, flips you know, and, you know, collect your tips. Grind an organ for me. That's hilarious. I went to the Hollywood Bowl this uh, this past weekend and saw the Violent Femmes backed up by the full Hollywood Bowl orchestra. Oh, and that was the opening act. Oh my god! And the main act was a. Uh, Pink Martini, and they also had the full. Oh my it. But god! I'm looking at Violent Femmes, and all these Violent Femmes songs—they're they played, you know, a 50-minute set, and um, all the Violent Femmes songs had a full orchestra behind them, and they sounded so good. And they had this one dude that was playing this giant, like the regular Violent Femmes guy was playing this giant saxophone that must have been—I've never seen anything like it. It was like eight feet tall. This like super bass saxophone. Yeah, like a yeah, bass. but like it was giant. Like it was yeah. on a stand, and it was like legit. It was like a six foot tall. <laughs> it had to be. It was on a stand. It had to be a six foot tall saxophone that he played. And then the other guy, the other main, <laughs> the main guy, blanking on their names. I'm embarrassed, but the guy that wears the glasses, the violin family, had this big, huge, like one of those like two foot deep guitars. Oh yeah, you know to get that to get that really good like uh, Mexican bass like sounding. Mariachi. Yeah, kind of thing. some mariachi guitar. Man, did they sound good. I actually went on tour with those guys once. They're amazing. God, orchestra, unbelievable. Phew, it was surreal. God. Like they really need to do uh, an album with an orchestra backing and like re-release all their stuff with the orchestra because it was insane how good it was. God, they should. They totally should. Those guys are amazing. Was that like a one-off thing or, or like are they going to do yeah, that? Yeah, this, this band, uh, Pink Martini, they're out of San Francisco. They're so good. And they play at the Hollywood Bowl every year and they sell out because they're so popular and they play like, they'll play like two nights and all kinds of special guests and they're amazing. And then Violent Femmes opened up. So yeah, it was like a one-off. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, those guys are great. Yeah. I'm glad they're back. Yeah. Very cool. So what else do you want to talk about? Well, you should be in a rock and roll band. No. Yeah. Like playing what? Bad, Man, bad thought- trumpet because I can't play anymore? Like, what am I going to play? I can't play guitar. I can't play drums. I can't play my accordions like like grade school level anymore. <laughs> even if, even when I played, it wasn't any good. That's I hilarious. gave it up when I was like in grade school. <laughs> I was like a grade school level accordion player, and I, I gave it up to play trumpet. And then my trumpet playing was, I told you my trumpet story. Like I quit the polka band, and that was the apex of my trumpet playing career. You know? I'm telling you, man. You know, you're you're too much of a fan to not try it at least. My big thrill was playing. I remember when I was in college, I was able to play along with like Blood, Sweat, and Tears albums. So I put on Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and I could play along. You know, there's some jobs for for like uh, horn players. You know what I mean? Like I know some some people that are they they can make some dough. Those horn guys. You know, <laughs> I mean, look at look at Steven's band. Yeah, you know, those guys are great though. The, the type yeah, of, you know, I know. You know what? It's, with a horn, it's not even about like hitting the note like putting the right keys in to get the it's all about like what your tone is and you can tell somebody yeah, will have like a really yeah. like a like an airy tone and it won't be full and it won't be as big as it needs to be or as subtle if it's not big sometimes you need it a little subtler and need something else and the, like your lip muscles your embouchure has to be so well worked and yeah, i'm just not there man i'd have to put in a couple of years of work just to get you know average 
like the average some college That's kid. Crazy. Yeah, I guess I never I never knew that. You know, like I never knew trumpet is I I really pay attention to good trumpet players and when they can play it, man, it's like they can make it sing. And other guys are just like blah, 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 you know, just blatting out notes. I guess it's the difference between like rock and roll guitar players and like, you know, those Nashville guys. Yeah, maybe. Although I did a show once when I was doing a monthly show and it was all like about the best singers, you know? And a good rock singer, like there were some rock singers that were like great rock singers, like raspy voice and like a lot of power and a lot of growl. And like, man, I'd love listening to this dude's voice or uh, chick, whoever it was. And then I think like, would this person be able to get a job singing in a Broadway show? Mm, because I know a bunch of Broadway singers and I've, I've done a couple of Broadway shows at the Hollywood Bowl singing. And those people have such great voices, but they're really practiced you know, and really pure and they're hitting, they're hitting notes right. like right on the money, crystal clear, really open, you know, and rock and roll singers, they wouldn't, they couldn't sing that way in a rock and roll song. It'd be, it would be boring, yeah. you know, cause they really yeah. have to like do it down and dirty in a rock song. So like a good rock singer and a good like Broadway. Cause so, so how you define good, it depends on the style. You know, the style or, or, you know, your own personal taste, obviously. Yeah. But, and you want it to, you know, you know, you want the voice to go with the music and I'll listen to like really famous rock and roll singers. They're like, Hmm, that's a good voice for this band and this rock and roll that they're playing. But like, if they were a nobody and went to audition for a Broadway show, they'd be like next and they would get shown the door. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, and then if, yeah. a, if a really good Broadway singer came to audition and say, Hey, we're putting a band together and, and I want to be your lead singer. They'd be like, you know what? Can you make it a little more street? Can you, can you growl <laughs> up a little bit? Yeah. yeah I don't it wouldn't think work so. Either, either way, they'd be, they'd be screwed. <laughs> I hired a cello player to play on my last record. And it was just like a student. Cause you know, I didn't have enough money to really, you know, hire a right. professional. So I went to NYU and I was like, Hey, you know, like, let me hire a cello player. They sent this girl that was amazing. She was like, absolutely amazing. And I was like, can you just like do a little kind of saw thing right here? And she just looked at me like, Oh my God, you're such an asshole. What does that mean? And I was like, you know, like, ching, 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 ching. And I like sung it to her like, ching, 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 ching. She goes, Oh, do you mean vibrato? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess I mean vibrato. I don't know. So we just kind of got our, you know, over the little language barrier. But, you oh, know, she really kicked funny. ass on a, on a rock and that's roll really record. Funny. But I know, it was like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed, you know. Yeah, eh. whatever. But I let, you know, it was good. It worked out. We, we got it together, you know. The music, you know, made it happen. Brian Wilson put those cello players to work when he did Good Vibrations. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, he put all his musicians through, you know. Yeah. I love the Beach Boys. Don't you yeah, love those guys? They were great. The Beach Boys, man. And now oh when you go God, see like whatever yeah. band, you know, the Beach Boys or Brian Wilson, like whoever you go see, they're all great, you know. I've seen Brian a bunch of times. That was like so thrilling. I couldn't believe I was like watching him, you know. I know. When I meet famous people and see you, I, 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 I always say it's like meeting a postage stamp. <laughs> Why? It's like, oh. Because you're like it's this famous picture you've seen, and you only you've only seen a two dimensional picture, and then you see him live in front of you, yeah, and you're like, oh, good God, it's a it's a person. Oh, that's funny. You know, with, it's a live person that can that shakes a hand and it feels like skin, and like, what are you doing? Like, oh, and this is how <laughs> tall you are, and you know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah, 
I met Brian Wilson once and we handed him an eight track to sign, like a, an eight track of like wow. Smiley Smile or something. Wow. And he just looked at it like, okay. And he signed it like there was nothing at all wrong with like wow. handing him an eight track. Wow. <laughs> I mean, when I was first starting my career, I met Dick Clark. He had me on a, after I did the Tonight Show, he had me on a, a special he did. Wow. And, that's uh, cool. So that's again, it was like me to post a stamp. Like, here's this guy I've seen on TV my whole life and never could imagine a three dimensional Dick Clark. And I'm in the hallway and he starts walking towards me with his hand out to shake my hand. And I saw him and I wow. went, I saw him and I went, Jesus Christ. And he went, No, Dick Clark, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. Oh my, my God. That's yeah. really cool. Oh my God. But like somebody like him must get that a lot where people are like, What the hell? I just shook hands with Dick Clark, you know, and he's just an. He's just a person. That's true. That's, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, we're all just people. And yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm Dick Clark, but don't, don't make a big deal out of it. Wow, it's really cool. Who who else have you met like that that kind of blew your mind? Oh, Paul McCartney. <gasps> you did? That was the last one. Yeah, I met him. Oh, uh, I have a friend named Chris Holmes, and uh, I went to Desert Trip, the thing they called Ocella, and it had Paul McCartney, the Rolling Stones, the Who. Ocella. Yeah, and uh, Bob Dylan, and it was great. So I that's the first time I saw Paul McCartney, and I was in the pit, like, the whole time. And I had friends that went that bought seats, and I was like, are you going to sit down during the Beatles and Rolling Stones? Are you out of your mind? Like, I was yeah, in the pit, really? so I could God. just be dancing the whole time. Like, I am not sitting in a seat <laughs> while the freaking Rolling Stones are on stage. You're out of your mind. Yeah, yeah I never, I never seen them. I never, had, I never had any money when I was growing up. You know, I was working, like, I was broke. So I never got to see like the Stones when they played Cleveland. I never got to go see that stuff. Um, really? I want to no. figure that you would. No, I've gone to see all those shows. No, dough. I was being in Cleveland. Are you kidding me? Working at McDonald's for a dollar twenty an hour. When, where am I going to get twenty bucks oh, for a Stones damn, ticket? Man. I'd have to work all week for one Stones ticket. And if I wanted to take somebody, two weeks I'd have to work and not spend any money. I was wasn't going to do wow. it. I was broke. I always broke. Counting penny, like legit counting pennies. So I was like, I'm going to see these guys. I'm going to dance. And I went early to get a good spot for Paul McCartney because that's who I was looking forward to the most. And this DJ was playing. It just blew me away. And I have a friend who's an artist and I, that was there. And I texted him. I said, you got to come see this guy. He's killing it with the Beatles songs right now. And he's playing nothing but remixes and covers. I like really making it all like a dance party. And uh, he goes, oh, that's a friend of mine. I'll introduce you when we get back to LA. So he introduced me to this guy, Chris Holmes. We, we uh, hit it off and we're really good friends now. And so he said, hey, come up to Montreal or we're traveling these dates, come up to see a show. So we went to Montreal to see Paul McCartney. And uh, Chris said, let me check and make sure it's okay. And when we got there, he said, yeah, it said it was okay to come backstage and get up and say hi and do it during the meet and greet. Uh, there was just a few people there to take pictures during the meet and greet. So we went there backstage underneath the arena and Paul McCartney comes around the corner out of his dressing room and he goes, hey, Drew. He sees me and he goes, hey, Drew. And I thought, oh, <laughs> uh, I thought Chris must have told him my name. That's how he knows who I am. So I said, hey, man, so nice to meet you. You're, you're you, you're you. Yeah, you're a person. And look, I'm touching Paul McCartney and, and like, oh, this is how tall he is. Like, I'm doing all these things you do when you meet somebody like uber famous like that. And he... um. He goes, yeah, I watch, uh, he goes, I watch trash TV all the time as I'm always watching like Wheel of Fortune and Price is Right. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, it's a really fun show. You do a great job at it. And I'm like, what? I didn't say what, I'm thinking what. And then he goes, is it really as much fun yeah. as it looks? And I'm like, yeah, that's much fun. And I told him, I said, I have the second best job in the world. 
And he looked at me and I go like, you have the best job. I have the second best job in the world. And he goes, oh, okay. So we took our picture. That's hilarious. And then, you know, there's other people in line. So we took our pictures. I have a good show. And then I was like, wow, I just met Paul McCartney. I, I was floating when I walked away. And then we had really good floor <laughs> seats uh, in the arena. So Chris got us hooked up with these really good floor seats. And Paul McCartney, he's on stage and he can, as you know, from playing on stage, you can see everybody in the audience all the time, practically. Yeah. And yeah. so during back in the USSR at the end, during the ooh-woo-woo parts, he looked directly at me and he went, come on down to the prices, right? Ooh-woo-woo-woo. Yeah. And I started crying. I just started bawling. Oh, my God. I That's... couldn't believe it even happened to me. And then I, I, then I couldn't go to That's sleep. That's amazing. Yeah. I was like just laying in, I was laying in bed like fucking Paul McCartney ooh-woo-wooed at me yeah. and put me in back in the USSR of all the songs. <laughs> And name drop the prices right. That's so cool, man. He, you know, he, he's like a real dude. You know, he's like a real dude. Jeez, that made me excited. And uh, you know, I'm friends with Joe Walsh, uh, who was on the Drew Carey show for a season. I had I was in a band on the cool. Drew Carey show, and he was the guitar player in the band. Um, and oh then my god! I've been to like a couple of things at his house and stuff, and he's friends with Ringo. So I've got to meet Ringo a bunch of times and talk to Ringo. Oh my god! So I know two Beatles. That's good. Right? I'm such a Ringo fan too. Man, I'm such oh, a Ringo fan. Like the nicest guy. And I remember I, uh, it was Joe Walsh was having a birthday dinner and he invited me and I didn't have a date. So I took this friend of mine, her name's Barbara. And I said, yeah, let's come to this thing with me. It's going to be really cool. And there was all these like super famous, like Jeff Lynn and all these famous people there. Uh -huh. uh, no, I don't know if Jeff, uh, Jeff Lynn wasn't at that one, but it was like, you know, Joe Walsh and Ringo Starr, like who else do you need? And, you know, <laughs> yeah, really. it's a really interesting, really interesting table of people at uh, this fancy restaurant in Beverly Hills. And Ringo Starr's on the, on the way out. And he's like, oh, see you. Nice, nice talking. And he, my friend Barbara goes, bye, love. And he and bends down and he kisses her on the top of the head. And I looked at Barbara <laughs> and I went, I went, wow, you can take that to the grave. Like you just got kissed by a <laughs> yeah, beetle. Yeah, really. And I don't care if oh it's, it's 70-year-old Ringo, you still got kissed by a beetle. And say the Beatles, yeah. you know, say the Beatles had sex with, 20,000 women between the four of them in their career and put that as a high number because that maybe isn't even a high number because they were the Beatles and they could get anybody they wanted during their whole career. Oh, yeah. That's still out of 320 million people in the country and in all the people in the world, that's not very many. Like I said, wow, you're pretty rare air having Ringo kiss you on the top of the head. I, got, I made a big deal out of it. <laughs> and it's the top of the head. Yeah, like there's a, not a lot of women that can say, yeah, Ringo Starr kissed me, but you do, you can, you know? <laughs> That's great, S man. Still got kissed by a beetle, That's so, great. you know, the heck with everybody else. <laughs> hey, this was a good conversation. Yeah. I'm glad I got to talk to you. I'm glad I got to talk to you too, man. I guess I'm going to be in LA, like at some point, maybe rocking and rolling again. Hit me up. And yeah, you'll you'll have to play accordion. Yeah, yeah. You have my cell phone number. Get me a, hit me up on my cell phone number instead of a DM. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. All right, cool, man. Get that accordion out, man. Get that trumpet. <laughs> I'll brush it off and start practicing. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm totally into it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right, baby. Take care. I said, yeah. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Drew Carey, Paul Myra Del Ran. We look forward to their uh, album of, of polka-tinged <laughs> garage uh, rock. I have a feeling Lil Stevie's going to be playing some guitar on that. I think he may just be. Today's show was recorded by Eric Renniker at Bedrock Recording in L.A. 
and by Mark Yoshizumi at Hook and Fade here in New York. Listeners, definitely make sure to check out Uh Uh-Oh, It's the Coolies. Again, that is the new record by the Coolies, and all money goes to ALS fundraising. So a great record for an important cause. Absolutely. Make sure to tune in next week for The Bachelorette's Caitlin Bristow in conversation with comedian Nikki Glaser. Our theme music was composed and performed by The Range, and our co-producer is Mark Yoshizumi. Till next week, I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm Nick Dawson. Peace. And polka. <laughs>